Holy Father in heaven, we thank you, Lord, for giving us the privilege to be among the living today. We are grateful, Father, for the blessings that you give to us spiritually and also supplying our temporal needs. We thank you, Father, for forgiveness of sins. We thank you, Lord, for the work of your holy angels on our behalf. And we thank you for our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ and his intercessory ministry on our behalf. Glory be unto your name, dear Lord. We have heard in your word concerning the mansions prepared for the good and the blessed, and we want to be partakers of it. We have heard of the privilege of the Lord dwelling with us on this earth, that we may be with you forever and ever, and we do not want to miss it. On that note, Lord, we come to fellowship with you now, that we may be prepared for that blessing, that we may be partakers of it. Make us instruments by which your will will be done on this earth. Hew us and shape us into your image, dear Lord. May the words that we will hear from this devotion be such as would uh, is calculated to help us to become like our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. I pray, Father, for all who are listening, that your Spirit may be upon every one of us and that you will put your words in my mouth and that your Holy Spirit will be upon me. Comfort our souls, lift us up, encourage us, and identify us with your word now, and help us, Lord, to become more like you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Conflict and Courage, August 28. Four Boys in Babylon. As for these four children, God gave them knowledge and skill in all learning and wisdom. Daniel chapter 1 verse 17 Daniel and his companions enjoyed the benefits of correct training and education in early life. But these advantages alone would not have made them what they were. The time came when they must act for themselves, when their future depended upon their own course. Then they decided to be true to the lessons given them in childhood. What a life work was that of these noble Hebrews. As they bid farewell to their childhood home, how little did they dream of their high destiny. Faithful and steadfast, they yielded themselves to the divine guiding so that through them, God could fulfill his purpose. Daniel and his companions in Babylon were, in their youth, apparently more favored of fortune than was Joseph in the earlier years of his life in Egypt. Yet, they were subjected to tests of character scarcely less severe. From the comparative simplicity of their Judean home, these youths of royal line were transported to the most magnificent of cities, to the court of its greatest monarch, and were singled out to be trained for the king's special service. Strong were the temptations surrounding them in that corrupt and luxurious court. The direction that their food should be supplied from the royal table was an expression both of the king's favor and of his solicitude for their welfare. But a portion having been offered to idols, the food from the king's table was consecrated to idolatry, 
and in partaking of the king's bounty, these youth would be regarded as uniting in his homage to false gods. The history of Daniel and his youthful companions has been recorded on the pages of the inspired word for the benefit of the youth of all succeeding ages. Through the record of their fidelity to the principles of temperance, God is speaking today to young men and young women, bidding them gather up the precious rays of light he has given on the subject of Christian temperance and place themselves in right relation to the laws of health. Amen. The title of our devotion for today is Four Boys in Babylon and it is going to look at practical things and things that relate to us today and I pray that God will bring out of this study hope and courage in us that we may give ourselves over to serve the Lord. We have left off looking at the story of Esther, but long before the days of Esther, back to the time of the captivity of Judah, just after the last king of Judah, or even before that, there was the series of attacks from the king of Babylon on Judah because the Lord had left them. After the days of Josiah, like we have seen, there were kings that reigned. We had, I think, King Aram. Jehoiakim, Jehoiachin, and the last king was Zedekiah. But before we talk about these four boys and their captivity in Babylon, let us understand the background that led to them being captives in the Babylonian kingdom. Their forefathers, or I would say their forefather, King Hezekiah, had committed a crime, a sin in the eyes of the Lord, which we looked at in past devotions. In the book of 2 Kings 20 verse 16 and down to 18, we see what that what happened there. The sin of Hezekiah had brought an unprecedented evil upon the house of David. Not that God was the one who brought this judgment on them, but it was a consequence of his action of pointing the eyes of the Babylonians to self rather than to God. It reads in 2 Kings 20 verse 16 to 18, Isaiah said unto Hezekiah, Hear the word of the Lord. Behold, the days come that all that is in thine house and that which thy fathers have laid up in store unto this day shall be carried into Babylon. Nothing shall be left, saith the Lord. And of thy sons that shall issue from thee, which thou shalt beget, shall they take away, and they shall be eunuchs in the palace of the king of Babylon. Amen. These words were very specific. The Bible says in verse 18 of 2 Kings chapter 20 that Hezekiah's own sons, his children, from his own loins that will issue from him, were going to be made eunuchs. Now, it doesn't just say eunuchs, casted away and utterly disgraced, but he was very specific. He said eunuchs in the palace of the king of Babylon. The fulfillment of this prophecy sadly is seen in the life of these four boys in Babylon named Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. 
after the death of Hezekiah, we looked at the king that came next, Manasseh then Josiah, and there came this king called Jehoiakim. In the days of Jehoiakim, the great grandson of Hezekiah, the king of Babylon came to Jerusalem and plundered it. Second Chronicles chapter thirty six from verse one says, Then the people of the land took Jehoahaz, the son of Josiah, and made him king in his father's stead in Jerusalem. Jehoahaz was twenty and three years old when he began to reign, and he reigned three months in Jerusalem. And the king of Egypt put him down at Jerusalem and condemned the land in an hundred talents of silver and a talent of gold. And the king of Egypt made Eliakim his brother king over Judah and Jerusalem and turned his name to Jehoiakim. And Necho took Jehoahaz his brother and carried him to Egypt. Jehoiakim was twenty and five years old when he began to reign, and he reigned eleven years in Jerusalem, and he did that which was evil in the sight of the Lord his God. Against him came up Nebuchadnezzar king of Babylon and bound him in fetters to carry him to Babylon. Nebuchadnezzar also carried of the vessels of the house of the Lord to Babylon and put them in his temple at Babylon. When this account is read in the book of 2 Kings chapter 24 concerning Jehoiakim, in verse 1 it says, In his days Nebuchadnezzar king of Babylon came up and Jehoiakim became his servant three years. Then he turned and rebelled against him. And the Lord sent against him bands of the Chaldees and bands of the Syrians and bands of the Moabites and bands of the children of Ammon and sent them against Judah to destroy it according to the word of the Lord which he spake by his servants the prophet. Surely at the commandment of the Lord came this upon Judah to remove them out of his sight for the sins of Manasseh according to all that he did. And also for the innocent blood that he shed, for he filled Jerusalem with innocent blood, which the Lord would not pardon. Now, what does this mean to us? It was at this time of the reign of Jehoiakim that Daniel was taken to Babylon during the first siege of Babylon by Nebuch of Judah by Nebuchadnezzar, of course, done by Babylon. Remember that the prophecy given by Isaiah to Hezekiah was that this is exactly what will happen. But it was not just the vessels that were taken away. They were promised that the children of Hezekiah will be taken to Babylon, not just to be eunuchs, just any place, because many eunuchs were there living in different rich men's houses, but eunuchs in the palace of the king of Babylon, very specific. And that's why the introduction to the book of Daniel in Daniel chapter 1 verse 1 says, In the third year of the reign of Jehoiakim, king of Judah, came Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, unto Jerusalem and besieged it. And the Lord gave Jehoiakim king of Judah into his hand, with part of the vessels of the house of God, which he carried into the land of Shinar, to the house of his God, and brought the vessels into the treasure of his God. Amen. Now verse 3 says, And the king spake unto Ashpenaz, the master of these eunuchs, that he should bring certain of the children of Israel, and of the king's seed, and of the princes, children in whom was no blemish, but well-favored, and skillful in all wisdom, and cunning in knowledge, and understanding science, and such as had ability in them to stand in the king's 
palace and whom they might teach the learning and the tongue of the Chaldeans. And the king appointed them a daily provision of the king's meat and of the wine which he drank, so nourishing them three years, that at the end thereof they might stand before the king. Now, among these were of the children of Judah, Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, unto whom the prince of the eunuch gave names. For he gave unto Daniel the name Belteshazzar, and to Hananiah of Shadrach, and to Mishael of Meshach, and to Azariah of Abednego. Amen. Do you see what I'm seeing here? Daniel and his brothers were made eunuchs in the king's palace as prophesied by Isaiah. The act of making one an eunuch is just a more respectful and fine way of saying castration or emasculation. Castration or emasculation is similar to rape for a woman. When the Lord prophesied to Hezekiah that his children were going to be made eunuchs in the king's palace of Babylon, it was not supposed to be a funny thing. It was not supposed to be something that he was told so that he would rejoice. In fact, Hezekiah himself said, Good is the word of the Lord. At least I will have peace in my days. It was supposed to be something punitive. Not inflicted by the Lord, but the Lord was telling Hezekiah the consequence of what he had just done. By misleading the Babylonians to think that it was his own hands that had made him great, and he was lifted up in his heart, that's King Hezekiah, the Babylonians would then come to take that which made Judah great, because Judah was great. And since, Babil since Hezekiah showed them gold and silver and his princes and all, that made the Babylonians to think that it was those things that made Hezekiah great. So they came to take that which made Hezekiah's kingdom great. The gold, the silver, and then they took the princes. And how did uh, Nebuchadnezzar treat these princes? With contempt? No. He emasculated them, but treated them nicely because he believed that he could help his kingdom. But what I want us to look at now is this matter of emasculation. Like I said, it is similar to rape for a woman, but one could say even worse. Just as the virginity of a woman or her violation is accomplished by rape, so also, but arguably to an even greater degree, a man is humbled when he does not submit willingly to the act of castration, but against his will, he is permanently deprived of his ability to procreate by severing his genitalia thereby making him an eunuch. This act had many consequences. If castrated before puberty, eunuchs do not grow a beard and never develop a deep voice again. And even those who are castrated after puberty, some of them get to develop that voice that is feminine. There are some people in Italy called, before in those days, called the castrato. They are young boys who are castrated so that they can leave their feminine voice with them as they grow. Other consequences of castration is that the men begin to have this feminine looking body. It's not a very nice experience to be castrated against your will. 
Jesus talked about those who are eunuchs, that men make them eunuchs, and some were born so, and there are others who make themselves so for the kingdom of God's sake. But when you don't choose it for yourself, and someone, someone subjects you to it like the king of Babylon subjected these four boys to castration, it was a punitive measure. It was not a pleasant thing by any means. Those who are castrated are largely deprived of the male sex hormone and therefore do not really develop to full manhood. This is because without the genitalia, one cannot have the physical features of a man. This is the reason that a man's secret of private part, especially the scrotum, is called his manhood. It, ha it was already bad enough that they, princes and royalty of Judah, were mere slaves in Babylon. That was bad enough. But to have been subjected to this humiliating experience of emasculation was even worse. The act of castration was an act usually done by kings in the past to humble their subjects and their enemies. This act was usually done not just to any mere subject of the kingdom that was conquered but mostly to royalty. Eunuchs are rarely ever of the royal family. They are usually men dedicated to the care of the king and his wives. This is a humbling experience especially for one who was a prince like these four boys. Now, apart from the fact that it was shameful and humbling, it was also a painful experience these days if people are to be uh, emasculated. Surgeries are done just to remove the testis, but not so in those days. And there's a reason I'm going through this. It is so that we can relate with this man, Daniel, and other boys, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, so that we, through patience and comfort of the scriptures might have hope. There are some people who have passed through painful experiences and have said, I will never serve God and they will curse God and today, if you pass through what these four boys passed through in Babylon, would you still serve God? Let me read furthermore the kind of experiences they passed through. I don't know if this is how their own case was, but in all cases, castration was never a good experience. Here's an example of what castration was like. It says, this is from an academic study done on this matter of castration. It says, the child was restrained on a chair. The phallus and scrotum, that's the penis and the scrotum, were tied with a cord which was pulled and the phallus, scrotum and testis were removed as close as possible with a single stroke of a razor. Bleeding was stopped with boiling oil and the wound was dressed with an extract of wax and tallow. In some instances, hemostasis was achieved with hot sand and the wound was dressed with an extract of acacia bark. The mortality was said to be high, only about 1 in 3 surviving, but this is a case in, in the uh, Ottoman court, the Ottoman Empire. In China, the same thing was done. And also, when they do it on the children, for three days they are not permitted to drink water. The reason is so that they cannot urinate because urinating will be painful. Sometimes a nail is put in the urethra so that it doesn't close up when the wound is healing. And the healing of the wound takes nothing less than 100 days. That is roughly four months. Talk about 
pain, excruciating pain, and talk about humiliation, talk about helplessness and dependence on people because you cannot do anything for yourself within that time. This is what these four boys had to pass through in Babylon. Today, many of us look at the experiences that people pass through and even some of us have suffered and have said to ourselves, where was God when I was passing through this? These four brothers, not because of their own sins or any iniquity on their part, were deprived of their manhood, humiliated, humbled like a woman who is raped, harassed, molested, put through unwilling pain, violated, humiliated and oppressed by the Babylonians. Sometimes God permits bad things to happen to us. What do we do? How do we relate with God after such terrible incidents? There are some children who were molested or sexually harassed when little. Others, both men and women, may have been raped and violated. I'm reminded, sadly, of the story of the people called Bonnie and Clyde. Some people know about them, but there are others who don't. You ever heard of the phrase, just like Bonnie and Clyde? Some people don't know their story. Bonnie and Clyde were two terrible criminals in the US and these two people, Bonnie and Clyde, what was it that made them to become what they were? When he was taken to prison for a few days that he spent in prison, he was raped and this man never healed from it. He became angry with everybody and determined to go to that prison and ensure that he kills the people that raped him and the prison wardens and he became a lifetime criminal ended up killing so many people in his lifetime and stealing so much his life became a wreck he had no value for himself after this was done to him there are many who are molested raped and the incident is not a nice one how do we relate with god after such terrible incidents there are those who have been sexually harassed as adults and it could be that there was nothing you could do about it. Like these four boys, due to circumstances beyond your control, these terrible things happen to you. How do you react to these things? Many get angry with God asking where he was when he permitted such nasty and evil things to happen to us. Many, because of these events, feel like God never accepts them again. And even if he wants to accept them, they are so angry with God that they decide to hate him for the rest of their life and hate his principles because he looked on as these things happened to them. You see, it's very easy for us to gloss over the fact that these boys were emasculated, but we shouldn't do that because their emasculation has lessons for us. Regardless of these terrible experiences that they passed through, the Bible says in Daniel chapter 1 verse 8, But Daniel proposed in his heart that he would not defile himself with the portion of the king's meat, nor with the wine which he drank. Therefore, he requested of the prince of the eunuchs that he might not defile himself. Amen. How did these boys still decide to serve God regardless of these bad incidents that happened to them? How can we do the same? Daniel was emasculated with his brothers. He was dehumanized by King Nebuchadnezzar. These boys, though humbled and emasculated, had faith in God and didn't entertain thoughts of self-pity and resentments towards God. 
because of what he had permitted to happen to them. How and why? I'll tell you how. It was by faith. They believed the prophet of God and trusted the words of Jeremiah the prophet. While in exile, God sent them a message through Jeremiah. In the book of Jeremiah 29, reading from verse 1, these words must have come to these four boys as a word of comfort. It says, Now these are the words of the letter that Jeremiah the prophet sent from Jerusalem unto the residue of the elders which were carried away captives, and to the priests, and to the prophets, and to all the people whom Nebuchadnezzar had carried away captive from Jerusalem to Babylon, after that Jeconiah the king and the queen and the eunuchs, the princes of Judah and Jerusalem, and the carpenters and the smiths were departed from Jerusalem by the hand of Elasa. Let's hear the word now from verse 4. It says, Thus said the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, unto all that are carried away captives, whom I have caused to be carried away from Jerusalem unto Babylon. Build ye houses and dwell in them and plant gardens, and eat the fruit of them. Take you wives, and beget sons and daughters, and take wives for your sons, and give your daughters to husbands, that they may bear sons and daughters, that you may be increased there, and not diminished. And seek the peace of the city, whither I have caused you to be carried away captives, and pray unto the Lord for it. For in the peace thereof shall you have peace. For thus saith the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, Let not your prophets and your diviners that be in the midst of you deceive you, neither hearken to, to your dreams which you cause to be dreamed. And in verse 10, he says, For thus saith the Lord, that after seventy years be accomplished at Babylon, I will visit you and perform my good word towards you in causing you to return to this place. And then comes that popular passage in Jeremiah 29 verse 11. For I know the thoughts that I think towards you, saith the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil, to bring you to an expected end. Then shall you call upon me, and you shall go and pray unto me, and I will hearken unto you, and you shall seek me and find me when you shall search for me with all your heart and i will be found of you says the lord and i will turn away your captivity and i will gather you from all nations and from all the places whither i have driven you said the lord and i will bring you again into the place whence i caused you to be carried away captive amen the prophecy of Jeremiah and the letter sent by him to these exiles was a source of comfort to these boys. They were comforted to know that God knew their plight and had a work for them to do in Babylon. They were clearly told that regardless of what had happened to them, that God had thoughts towards them, thoughts of peace and not of evil, to bring them to an expected end and they were to seek the peace of the land where they dwelt and God had a plan to deliver them though after 70 years of captivity. The thought that God loves us and cares for us is to quiet every doubt in our minds concerning our own love for him. These boys didn't forsake God because of the humbling experience they were passing through. They were determined that not even the humbling and humiliating act of emasculation, castration, which can be compared to that rape incident that you may have passed through or that molestation that you passed through as a child or an adult, 
they were comforted that that was not going to separate them from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. They could say, in, like it's written in the book of Romans 8 from verse 35 to 39, Who shall separate us from the love of God? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or sword? As it is written, For thy sake we are killed all the day long. We are accounted as sheep for the slaughter. Nay, in all these things these four boys could say, We are more than conquerors through him that loved us. For I am persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come and I would add, nor emasculation, nor rape, nor dehumanization could separate us nor height nor depth nor any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of god which is in christ jesus our lord amen the bible says daniel proposed in his heart that that same body which was violated and abused will be used to serve god and will not be defiled he would use that same body that was mutilated and preserve it to god's glory and his brothers joined him in doing so by faith they believed that God had not rejected them and they set out to serve God through the same prophet Isaiah that spoke of this evil incident that would happen to them they found hope in the following words in the book of Isaiah chapter 56 concerning their condition of being an eunuch being emasculated they could read the words of Isaiah in Isaiah 56 reading from verse 1 to 7 that says thus said the Lord Keep ye judgment and do justice, for my salvation is near to come and my righteousness to be revealed. Just read this passage in light of boys who are in Babylon emasculated. Hear what it says. God speaks to them saying, Blessed is the man that doeth this, and the son of man that layeth hold on it, that keepeth the Sabbath from polluting it, and keepeth his hand from doing any evil. In the mind of these boys in Babylon, they are saying, The Lord is saying to us, that we should do judgment and then he goes on to verse 3 and says neither let the son of the stranger that joined herself to the Lord speak saying the Lord has utterly separated me from his people neither let the eunuch say behold I am a dry tree for thus saith the Lord unto eunuchs that is people who have been castrated eunuchs that keep my sabbaths and choose the things that please me and take hold of my covenant even unto them will i give in my house and within my walls a place and a name better than of sons and of daughters i will give them an everlasting name that shall not be cut off amen and then God promises them in verse 7, Even them will I bring to my holy mountain and make them joyful in my house of prayer. Their burnt offerings and their sacrifices shall be accepted upon mine altar, for mine house shall be called an house of prayer for all people. Amen. They could read this passage and say, God has not rejected me even though I am an eunuch, and anyone who comes to him in obedience will be accepted by him. To those who are listening to me, who perhaps you have been abused, molested, raped, violated, and oppressed. The Lord invites you to look at this experience of these four boys in Babylon and also look to our Lord Jesus who was shamefully treated, embarrassed, oppressed, and violated. Do not cherish the thought that God didn't care when such evil things happened to you. He does care. He permits such things to happen 
even to those who are his children, just as he did to the four Hebrew boys, and just as he did for his son, Jesus. Do not let that experience to make you banish your self-respect. Jesus loves you. Like these boys, he is even calling you to serve him because he has not rejected you. There is a tendency to cherish thoughts of low self-esteem and despise oneself when these things happen to us. But look at the experience of these four boys in Babylon and draw strength and courage from it. These boys could have rejected the call to serve God because of this incident and say, God, get away from me. Where were you when I was passing through that pain for 100 days plus because I was emasculated? Where were you when I was carried as a captive? Where were you when I was humiliated and oppressed? But not one word of complaining comes from these boys. What an experience. Instead, they said, we will serve the Lord in spite and regardless of what had happened to them. Them. They didn't consider it as a reason for them to be separated from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus. They could say, no tribulation, no persecution would make me deny my Lord. None of these things is enough to make me go away from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus. And what does it mean to allow those things to make you go away from God? Today, do you know that many Jews stopped serving God because of what happened to them in the Second World War, the Holocaust? Many of them could say, away with the Lord. Where was he when we were suffering in Auschwitz under Joseph Mengele and under Klaus Barbie? Where was he when the butcher was butchering us and castrating us and doing all sorts of evil to us? Some people have been raped. Some have been emasculated too. Some have passed through terrible experiences of molestation and have begun to look down on themselves and have said they are worth nothing. Others have felt, I hate God for allowing such things happen to me. Look ye unto our Lord Jesus. Look to these four boys who passed through something equally terrible, something not just shameful but also a painful experience. I could say, please, arguably I could say, that even the incident of rape, you may not compare it to this matter of Daniel and his brothers being castrated. Is it the pain, the recovery of over a hundred days, or the experience of having your genitalia cut off? Is it that one or the shame of knowing that you are one who has been emasculated? Is it that? All of these were shameful experiences that they could have said, we will not serve God away with him. But no, the Bible says in Daniel chapter 1 verse 8 that these boys proposed that they will not defile themselves but that they will serve God. These boys could have rejected God but they didn't. Either they might have thought that God could not use someone who has been violated like them or he could even, though they know that God didn't reject them, be so angry but they didn't. They lived by faith. They believed God's word that he will accept them and they chose to serve him regardless of the evil that had befallen them. They determined to obey God, to obey God and keep themselves from the king's meat which was defiled, believing that he who comes to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of those that diligently seek and obey his word to the letter. They obeyed God and dared to incur the wrath of the king. They decided to live a life of temperance and follow the laws of health so that they can keep their bodies holy and acceptable unto God, knowing that this is their reasonable service. 
many do not understand that there is a great connection between the body and the mind. These boys understood this. As we read in the book Conflict and Courage, page 246, paragraph 5, it says, The history of Daniel and his youthful companions have been recorded on the pages of the inspired word for the benefit of the youth of all succeeding ages. Through the record of their fidelity to the principles of temperance, God is speaking today to young men and young women, bidding them gather up the precious rays of light he has given on the subject of Christian temperance and place themselves in right relation to the laws of health." End of quote. So it is that Daniel and his three brothers, um, Hananiah, Mishael and Azariah, decided that even in this terrible experience, they will not defile themselves but that they will keep themselves for God and they chose to practice the principles of temperance and this record is for us today that we also when we have been through bad experiences should not use that as an excuse to deny the Lord the Bible says that we shouldn't allow any of these things to separate us from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus what does that mean it means that if we pass through tribulation persecution and because of that we say we will not serve God again we will not keep his commandments we will not answer his call then we have allowed those things to separate us from the love of God brothers and sisters I know that these experiences happen little children because of not because of any evil they have done they are they pass through a lot of evil things molestation abuse and the rest whether sexually or physically anyone they go through it but we can still serve God. Don't ask like other people would do, oh Lord, where were you when this happened? The Lord says to us, I know the thoughts that I think towards you, thoughts of peace and not of evil, to bring you to an expected end. This man, Daniel, and his three companions, we will see what the Lord did with him. Why? Because he did not allow the matter of slavery and the humiliation of being an eunuch, though he was supposed to be a prince. He did not allow that to be an excuse for him not to serve God. Let us not allow these terrible experiences of humiliation and violation to be something that will separate us from the love of God. Let us, even in the midst of that, preserve that body that has been violated and say, I will not defile this body even though it may have been violated by someone out there, whether by rape or sexual abuse of any kind, and say to yourself, this same body, I will preserve it for God and I will not defile it and believe in the promise of the Lord that he has not rejected you, that he has not separated you. Bad things can happen, but let us accept it in the will of God and say, if he has allowed the hidden to ride upon our heads, we would accept it. If he has made us to be killed all the day long and he has allowed us to be trampled underfoot, we would say, yes, Lord, and submit to his dealing with us, but still serve him. And not just in any other way, but in the matter of temperance, of preserving our bodies like Daniel and his companions did. We'll look at this more in subsequent devotions. But I want the Lord to talk to our hearts concerning this matter because many 
are hurting in their hearts. Many are passing through pain. They still go to church and come back, but they keep remembering the incident of how they were molested and violated. Look at these boys in Babylon and see what happened to them because of their father Hezekiah. It was not their fault. But look at how they still served God in the midst of it. Let that be an encouragement to you who may have passed through similar experience, maybe less or worse than this. Let it be an encouragement to you to still serve God regardless of what happened to you. I could say more, but I pray that the Holy Spirit will talk to your heart so that you stop hurting, so that you stop thinking about the pain that you passed through in the past, so that you stop violating your conscience and feeling that you are not worthy to work for God so that you stop being angry with the Lord and angry with life and angry with people because of what happened to you. Look at Daniel, look at Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego and learn from them to put the past in the past, move on and serve the Lord. May the Lord help us. Let us pray. Dear Lord in heaven, I pray for your children who are out there who may have passed through similar experiences like Daniel or even less. Lord, we may have been hurting in the past or feeling like we are unworthy, but your word has told us that you have thoughts of peace for us to bring us to an expected end. I pray, Lord, that such a heart that is hurting, that you will heal them now, that you will help them to come out of the pain, the thoughts of the humiliation they passed through and learn from Daniel to preserve their bodies in temperance for you. Help us, O Lord, to come out of the hurt and stop thinking about it, but that we should not allow anything to separate us from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Lord, receive us into your care and help us, Lord, that we may serve you and not be angry, but continually do your will, regardless of every any incidents that might have happened to us. Thank you, Lord, for hearing and thank you for answering our prayers. In Jesus' name I've prayed. Amen.
Close to thee. Close to thee.